Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. This is Jay Kokorowski, live here in Madison, Wisconsin. we got Owen Reese. Thanks for making some time, and uh, it feels like it's been a while, Owen. I know we used to do two, I think we did two or three podcasts a week for a couple, for a couple of weeks, and that I know that kind of exhausted both you and I, though we love talking to you guys. Uh, but we are back here in our studio, our virtual online studio is maybe the best way to put it. And we are after basketball. And I'm so one of these days we'll get to a basketball kind of, pre, you know, retrospective and go to a, a, you know, 2019 to 2020, you know, prospectus type podcast. But, you know, now it's spring ball and spring football, Wisconsin tomorrow. We're recording on Wednesday. We'll conduct its eighth of 15 spring practices. Media is not allowed. However, the family fun day, it will be on Saturday. And of course, media is invited there. We'll be there too. But Owen, it's the, I guess maybe the best way to explain is like, in your opinion, what are these in being a former college football player yourself? What do these spring practices do? And what do you watch for as a former player? Uh, The spring practices are a real good uh, kind of experimentation time uh i know before my senior year at carroll i bounced between guard and center back and forth just trying to find different combinations different uh different looks at stuff getting guys reps at different spots to kind of cross train uh spots and so um you always hear about quarterbacks as well uh you know being asked to take shots downfield don't be afraid to throw interceptions nothing bad happens if you throw an interception so just kind of trying to push the limits of the offense or, or the, in the defense as well, I suppose, but push your limits, see where you can go, see how much you've improved, see where there's still areas to improve, uh, kind of flex your new muscles from the new offseason programs and stuff like that. So uh, I think you just look for guys to play hard and play fast. I mean, it's not a, not a competitive atmosphere. You know, they're not uh, playing South Florida yet. So they're, they're just kind of, you're there to, to make each other better, to make yourself better. And like I said, to just try to uh, continue to grow and, and get better at one thing every day. If you continued, that was always, I know my mindset as a player was to improve on one aspect of my game every day, whether if it was pass setting or, um, you know, being able to getting better at identifying defensive fronts or stuff like that, just from my, my perspective. But I mean, every day is another day to get better. I know Paul Christ is a big subscriber to, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So, um, you know, it's a good opportunity for the guys to get reps, uh, maybe in different lineups than they have in the past and, and kind of work some new chemistry that way and uh, to kind of push their boundaries. So a uh, good, exciting time. You see a lot of a lot of plays are being made by a lot of guys in these sessions, which is good. Um, and, yeah, so like I said, just kind of trying to take as much momentum as they can, both as a team and the players individually uh, heading into summer lifting and stuff. Right. And, and the big thing, too, one thing to note, there will be players out, and right now uh, you'll see on the offensive lines a big one. We'll get into more about the offensive line coming up, but Tyler Biotish, the center, presumed starting center, 99.9% sure starting center. Cole Van Lannen, high probability starting left tackle for this team, are out. Uh, Jason Erdman was limited for a while and then came back and performed team drills uh, during 
what's called a half pack session. That's shoulder pads and helmet. That's a, it was a half pack practice on Tuesday. And really you're going to also see players that don't necessarily need the reps or need just few reps to get better. Uh, like a Jonathan Taylor, he doesn't need to get 40 to 50 reps necessarily during a team session at this time. While others like Nakia Watson, Garrett Groshek, Isaac Garendo, Brady Shipper, those running backs, though they uh, need those reps. Uh, you'll, you'll see some players out and it's more precautionary too at times when it comes to stuff like this too. So, you know, if the reps aren't needed, this is a time where as long as you can improve and it's time for younger players to kind of step up. And this is, you know, an extension, you know, of, of bowl prep practices where a lot of those bowl prep practices, like the younger guys that are there that don't get a lot of reps during the year, they can work up and, and build up and, and get that experience. And this is a way for them to do that too, especially if injuries hit a position group and uh, allows you to continue to work and improve. And I, I guess that's one thing, maybe going into the first observations we've been, we've seen three practices out of the, out of the seven. Uh, and it'll be, you know, we'll have four out of the nine uh, after Saturday's practice of being able to watch. But the real thing, I, I think a disclaimer to put, and I put it in, I think in my article, from earlier this week, just talking about things that have stood out through the first couple of practices then is it's hard almost to gauge really how the defenses look good and looks arguably ahead of where the offense is. But I feel that's a a lot of the times could be the case. Uh, But also there, and let me know your thoughts on this too, Owen, where this group, you know, this offense with that, you know, they've added, you know, they're, flipping players around on the offensive line, David Mormon at left tackle, uh, Josh Sheltzner or Erdman at left guard, uh, or Lyles, Caden Lyles for that matter, uh, Jason Erdman or Caden Lyles at center, Logan Bruss right guard, Tyler Beach right tackle. Bruss played right tackle last year, the final three games of the year, you know, and then uh, for he finished up the Northwestern game at left tackle. Uh, and then, you know, he's for the last three games of the year, he was right tackle. So he slides in. Uh, you also have new quarterbacks uh, in the sense of, granted, you had Jack Cohn for five games, but it's it's a younger group. And so, or less experienced group, maybe, is a better way to put it. So there's going to be some more mistakes there. You don't, you're not going to have Jonathan Taylor always, you know, around, you know, getting a lot of the team carries where maybe, obviously, nothing against Nakia Watson or Garrett Groshek, but, uh, you know, you would, you're not seeing reps from the Dilk Walker Award winner. So, I guess my disclaimer, Owen, and let me know your thoughts on this too, is that, you know, the defense may look ahead at times, but also you kind of have to take a step back and say the offense isn't necessarily at full strength and they have more questions at, at particular areas, mostly quarterback. Uh, the biggest question I think is obviously quarterback, uh, but the injuries at the offensive line too, uh, forcing others to step up in other areas, it's not necessarily, I would say, full strength versus full strength. Well, and even if it is, um, you know, I, I can tell you from experience, a mistake on offense looks and can affect a play a hell of a lot more than a mistake on defense can. Uh, and that's something like you're mentioning where you're rolling through guys and you're getting guys that, you know, Caden Lyles playing at center who hasn't played offense in over a year uh, to guys like Tyler Beach uh, who haven't played a ton and you're moving Bruss inside from tackle to guard. That's a different world there. And just getting Jason Erdman back, he missed some. Um, you got David Mormon playing tackle. You got a lot of guys. Josh Steltner is a former walk-on at guard. Uh, there's a lot of different moving parts right now. And the biggest thing about offensive line is chemistry. 
um, and not having all those guys on the same page uh, is is a bit different. You know, this is an offensive line for the most part. A lot of these guys, uh, you know, that have heard Alex Hornerbrook's voice behind them, and obviously, you know, multiple quarterbacks play for practice and all that stuff. But there's, um, as an offensive lineman, there's something to that having that familiar voice behind you, uh, and they just simply haven't had Cone behind them as long. You know, there, it's just different things like that. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of moving parts on both sides of the ball. So, uh, I mean, regardless, I don't. I mean, not too much. I don't think much should be gleaned from like the overall result of like spring plays outside of plays being made. You know, if uh, in um, you know an interception for a touchdown, or what would be an interception for a touchdown, or or guys beating blocks, or you know, just stuff like that. Um, outstanding plays, um, I think, are are noteworthy, but. As far as you know, if if the offense struggles to run the ball in a spring practice against the defense, I'm not. Uh, there's not. I don't think there's much to be worried about there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of what it's. It's the nature of the beast. You're looking for individual plays. You're looking for for things to work on rather than uh, the live or die of the result. Uh, so they are a bit different in that dynamic. And you know, kind of looking at the let's let's look into the offensive line real quick and. I've already kind of referenced. I already referenced who's where, or at least with the presumed first team with Biotish and Van Lannan out. But you know, this is the opportunities for them to step up. David Mormon's a redshirt senior, and he has some games played with experience. But uh, this is a chance for him to really go and in you know fight for a spot with with Van Lannan. He's shown what he's doing at left tackle, but you know we've called it out multiple times. He was listed as the number two left guard in the last game notes of the year for the Pinstripe Bowl against Miami uh, behind Michael Dieter. So you have that, uh, you have Logan Bruss kind of doing like some, from what it looks like cross positional training. And when I talked to Joe Rudolph later on this spring, it's going to be my, one of my first questions asking, asking about him is just uh, why place Bruss there at right guard instead of right tackle. Uh, and obviously Jason Erman was it limited too. So I'm wondering if that played a role in that, or if he just wants them to get more work inside and allow a guy like Tyler beach uh, who in that UW Badgers article from by Mike Lucas, a few weeks back mentioned the, you know, the potential of, of beach being that third tackle. So it gives him more reps to work on there. This, this is a time for the, these opportunities for the, for these offensive linemen, Caden Lyles getting first team reps at center and, and acclimating. And, and Paul Chris mentioned it yesterday when talking to reporters, he, he missed a full year of being an offensive lineman when he selflessly went over to the defensive line. So uh, this is a chance for everybody, including a guy like Erdman too, that, has game experience and as it was a key reserve and could fill in and, and the team was still rolling like it was. However, this, this is, it'll be his time to shine too. There's a lot of opportunities on that offensive line. Absolutely. Uh, I think someone like Dave Mormon reminds me a lot of Micah Kapoy, um, who's kind of that he, he's been Mr. Dependable. He can kind of play wherever you need him to. Uh, and he's been around. He's never really been in the starting lineup a ton. But the more you can develop that depth and the more experience he can have and more confidence heading into spring or to, excuse me, to summer and then into fall, um, the better. And and I think it's, you can never have too much depth at any spot on the offensive line. Um, and, and as we've seen in the past, uh, the Badgers aren't, like anyone else, aren't immune to players going down with injury. Uh, you know, you've seen that last year with Logan Bruss coming in for Dave Edwards and, and there not being much of a drop off that way. So it's a a lot of opportunities. You're right. Jason Erdman has stepped in at center and guard uh, before both. Uh, Lyles obviously coming back over to offense and immediately having a chance to get on the field. Josh Seltzner 
Uh, I know the Badgers posted a video of him a few weeks ago, uh, power cleaning and stuff. That's another big body, a big athletic kid uh, that that's looking to get on the field on the offensive line. So while some of the more established guys like like Van Lannan and Biotis, who I don't think their spots are are in much jeopardy, the rest are. Uh, and I don't mean jeopardy is, is in a negative connotation, but there's a lot of able bodies and a lot of hungry guys there uh, for only a few spots. So uh, competition usually brings out the best uh, in in uh, athletes and, and makes them compete against themselves and each other. So uh, I'm sure the coaching staff looking to harbor that that environment of competition as well. Um, and, and yeah, there are, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, for the first time since Paul Chris took over, there's a lot of unknowns at the offensive line position, um, which can be good. Uh, it's a chance for, for younger guys to, to get in and play, um, but it's it's not the familiarity like that people that uh, crave and, and want on the offensive line. So um, certainly that's to me, and obviously that's the position I watch the most anyways, but that's probably the most uh, intriguing position moving forward, um, like I said, just due to the turnover there. Looking uh, still at the offense, you know, things that we've – observations – quarterbacks everyone's asking about it i was asked by jason galloway on the red zone podcast that we recorded on tuesday that uh, which is yesterday and that was dropped uh yesterday as well so make sure you guys check out jason and i uh, chat about this too but jack Cohn and other reporters have mentioned it too getting those first team reps and only first team reps um it's he is in the driver's seat in that in my opinion there because he has the most experience and to me, he's shown some things. He's thrown some interceptions. Um, and uh, during spring, I'm not necessarily worried about that because you're still working on timing. You're still working on getting yourself, uh, just working with the receivers on, on trying new things that this is your chance to do it. This is your chance uh, as a quarterback just to test your limits. And I'm not worried about that. All the other quarterbacks have made some mistakes too. Um, and so, but you've seen Cone get that. I, I think that's it's still early on, but it's a sign to me that he really has, you know, like they, they trust him in that sense. But who's behind him? You know, it's Danny Vandenboom, Chase Wolf, Graham Mertz. All of them have shown something. I've, and I've called it up before. I like Vandenboom's arm uh, in terms of accuracy. Uh, I think he may, between all of them, uh, in terms of arm strength, may have the, like the least strength out of the four, but he still got a strong arm and he's also accurate. And so I, I like what I see from him, but then a guy like Chase Wolf has a, has a, in my opinion, a cannon and he can let it zip. I remember a pass to Coy Wayner during the first practice that was available to, to the media where he slung it in there and uh, made a nice throw there. And then, you know, I, I, he's mobile, but then I'm also wondering too, Owen, you know, like there's some times where, you know, I think obviously being his first spring, spring he has a chance to really develop uh, and, and take advantage of this. And I think there's some things that he can work on there. But, you know, when, after I said that, uh, on Tuesday he had a great session on 7-on-7 seven seven where he found A.J. Taylor deep uh, on a pass over the middle, uh, you know, and then I think it was like a seam route. And then you also had a deep – it looked like a deep out possibly to Mike Gregory, uh, but it was over the middle middle for like a good 20-yard gain. And really, so, I, you know, you have those two, and then, of course, you have Mertz. And with that, I mean, you see all the tools there. 
it's all about him absorbing the offense, getting used to the speed of the college game. There's so much as a true freshman uh, to get used to. And, And Jake Ferguson called it out on Saturday saying, this is a guy that really has, uh, you know, he, he, there's been a lot thrown at him uh, and he's being thrown into the fire, but he, it sounds like he, you know, Ferguson thought he was handling it well. So, you know, this competition, and we, we've stated before, Paul, you know, and they're, they're not going to decide a starter until fall camp. And so, you know, right now for us, I'm just watching how these quarterbacks, you know, continue to progress and develop. Uh, you can see the the talent there or the potential for each of them. It's just who's going to take advantage of them the most. And I guess is there any disclaimer that you have towards this group right now? Or um, I, I'm trying to see if there's any like real questions with this group that that other than that from what we've called out because I don't feel like it's pretty straightforward to me and to you. But I don't know if there's anything else that you really feel that, that that's added to, to watch with these quarterbacks right now. Well, yeah. And I guess the, the only way I would guess I would try to change it is I'd say with this group, there's really nothing but questions right now. And, and truthfully, you can take what you will from spring games and stuff or spring practices and reps and this and that or whatever. Um, but I mean, until we, until we see uh, anyone but Jack Cohn in a game, we don't know what we're going to see or what we're going to get. Um, you know, obviously, Chase Wolf is is the smallest of the quarterbacks, but but not a small guy by any means. I think he's six foot six foot one and, and two hundred ten pounds or so. And it's just, uh, I mean, they, they they're all going to throw it. I mean, they look good. It's they're not getting hit. Uh, it's and and it's. I don't mean this to sound uh, dismissive of anything that that you guys are seeing in practice because I'm not there and you guys are. So I'm jealous of that, but. I mean, true quarterback is, is truly a, a bit of a different animal. Um, you know, you can watch you can watch defensive linemen and offensive linemen go at it in practice, and you can get a pretty good idea. Well, that's what they're doing. And you know what Jonathan Taylor is going to give you in, in the run game and stuff. But quarterback's a little different. Quarterback's the only position in practice that don't get hit. They don't do much. Uh, and it's a different part. I guess I, I shouldn't say that they don't do much. They They're not involved physically as much outside of, of, of throwing the ball um you know so it, it's it's a bit different they should all look good in practice i think probably the the bigger issue is if if any of them don't look impressive uh or don't look like they belong um you know but but really i guess to me the, the whole position uh even cohen really is the whole thing's a question mark so until we get uh into more uh live ammo situations it's kind of going to remain that way uh and if cohen uh starts the year then we really still don't know much of anything about the other three quarterbacks uh, until they play. And that's why quarterback is a bit different and unique because only one can play. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it obviously there's, well, it'll be interesting to see. We've still got a ways to go, but um, to me, I guess, I don't know the, the, the quarter, the position itself is the catalyst or the pivot of this football team. Um, but we really don't know where we're at yet outside of, of what we've seen, seen from Jack Cohn. So, um, Anything past the the five meaningful games of football we've seen Jack Cohn play, um, we just really don't know. Right. Uh, looking at the other side of the ball uh, in terms of those other observations, before we get to kind of who stood out, and there's I think maybe one that really is stood out to me, 
cornerbacks and safeties, uh, you and I have talked about it. We like the the depth and the strength of, of the secondary right now. We talked to Jesse Temple, I believe, about that, about the cornerbacks, and I believe it was Zach Halpern about the safeties. And you know, from from just when I, from what I've seen, the the cornerbacks, it's you have Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams have you know at least on Tuesday got some first team reps, uh, though. You know, it's like I said, it's the you know they're they can interchange pretty well. You've even seen Alexander Smith get some reps uh, at uh, even though like a slot type position, or or he was the third cornerback in that nickel position. Where I, at one point it looked like Caesar Williams was actually on the outside or was on the slot, and he and Smith and Hicks were on the the outside too, which is an interesting thing there in terms of getting players reps. I think that was during a seven on seven drill, but it really it's a uh, this. This group, this competition, and even at safety, where I think they have a, they could have a potential really solid two deep with Eric Burrell, Scott, Scott Nelson, Colin Wilder, and Reggie Pearson. I think all of them have an opportunity to, to contribute and will probably be used in some manner, especially with injuries or just having able bodies to be used uh, when when needing a break or mat- particular matchups may dictate for Jim Leonard uh, in the regular season. I like early on what I'm seeing from the safeties and the cornerbacks. It's really interesting to see just the mix and matching, but also how they're playing. And uh, it's, it, I don't want to say an embarrassment of riches because we thought we saw the same thing with the wide receivers last year heading into 2018. But it, right now, this cornerbacks group is positioned to be uh, one of the deepest on the team. Yeah, and you saw quite a few guys start there last year. Um, and like you mentioned, with, with Hicks and Williams getting starting reps during spring here with the ones quote unquote, um, you know, you saw Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams start last year. You saw Rashad wild goose start last year. You saw Darren Duran Harrell start last year. You saw Deontay Burton um, or Dante Burton, excuse me. Uh, he started a game last year. Uh, so, I mean, it's, there's a lot there. Um, and, and that's good because it's all continuing to build depth and, and they all have opportunities. Madison Cohn has started games before. Um, so you have all those guys there with, with chances to play. The other thing I will say, uh, as far as Alex Smith playing outside and Caesar Williams being in the slot, since Jim Leonard took over at UW, um, and I, I, I only say that because I don't remember if it was the same case under Dave Aranda or not, uh, but typically the slot corner – has been one of the two starting outside corners uh, that they've kind of had that travel when uh, Derek Tindall would play. Um, or excuse me, Nick Nelson would go inside um, when when the Badgers were playing nickel two years ago and Dante Carrier-Williams would stay outside. Uh, and in this past year as well, uh, we saw some of that with um, with the, the third corner coming in and playing outside uh, and moving one of the outside guys in. Um, so I guess that's a, a tendency that we've seen. We've also seen Madison Cohn play some strictly slot stuff. So um, it's kind of a tendency to, to keep looking at moving forward. But, um, yeah, certainly I think that the depth that in the secondary has got to be encouraging um, for uh, a team that I guess probably what the national perception of Wisconsin would probably be that they don't have a ton of depth at the skill positions, um, or at least they don't have the, the depth of athletes. Uh, at the skill positions, I, I would say that's probably not the least of the Badgers' worries right now about their, um, you know, their confidence or their the the ability of them to to kind of go run with guys on the outside. So um, that is a position where I think in spring you can see quite a bit. Uh, you can really kind of gauge their performance 
more so than I was talking about with the quarterbacks. Uh, and you can kind of get a look and see which of those guys are more or less uh, kind of taking over, kind of being those alpha um, alpha dogs during practice. Um, and, and it's a good situation for that to happen because, like you just said, there's – I mean, there's seven, eight guys that started games at corner last year, and then there's four or five starting caliber safeties on the roster as well, or at least thought to be. So, um, you know, it's, it's a – Makes things a lot easier for Jim Leonard up front when the uh, when the secondary is is in a position like it's looks like it could be positioned to be in. Um, you know, obviously a long ways to go, but that it's certainly a, a very skilled room. Uh, the secondary room, a lot of a lot of talent uh, and and really quite a bit of personality in there as well. So I think moving forward, that's that's something that uh, with such. There's so much turnover in the front seven over the past couple of years. I wonder if, if at this point, maybe the secondary starts to kind of take over as some of the leaders of the defense. Um, not saying that there aren't any in the front seven, but, um, you know, with, with Beagle and Watt and Edwards and Conley gone now and Stitchy uh, and, and Alec James and Connor Sheehy gone, uh, all those guys, all those voices in the room that used to be there aren't there anymore. Uh, so I wonder how much of that kind of turns to the, the secondary, which will probably, other than Chris Orr and some of the defensive linemen, be some of the more experienced guys on the team. Yeah, and it's, I think Chris Orr will be the leader of the defense at, at inside linebacker. Just that's the way he is. He is an, I mean, he thought he's a natural leader. Paul Chris called him a natural leader last week. So, but yeah, I think guys like Eric Burrell, I think Scott Nelson has, uh, Dakota Dixon's called up, you know, mentioned last year to us talking about how Scott Nelson could be a leader in that category and be the next leader, that secondary too. And and you have, you know, guys going in their third or fourth years in a program and that, you know, especially with a guy like Caesar Williams, who'll be a redshirt junior. So it'll be something to watch. Uh, Madison Cohn, by the way, too, just as another injury, he has not played yet this spring from what we've seen, according to the media. So the three open practices, he has not been in there. So that'll be something to watch. Uh, going forward, but he does have experience. He'll be a, a, a junior already. So uh, another name to the list there. It'll be interesting to see just as a final note before we get to kind of the who stood out in the spring ball so far. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Rashad Wild Goose looks. Uh, we've seen him mostly with the, you know, kind of the, the maybe the second team or reserves. He started seven games, played in 10, led the team in pass breakups a year ago. So we'll see what's, what's you know, what happens with uh, him. But again, it's spring. Guys are jockeying for position, and I'm not. You know, it's something I don't think to really point out too much about. Uh, you know, and maybe make a final judgment at the you know, at the end of the spring in terms of where people go with these reps, uh, in terms of mixing and matching. So, with that, who stood out early? And again, another disclaimer: we got to be careful just about spring performances. Just sometimes, as we mentioned earlier. The offense may be a little bit behind of the defense, but that's because of the, the numbers uh, and, and new, newer faces. But that being said, you know, going back to defense, uh, Leo Chanel's made quite the quite the bump, uh, made kind of an impression on people. I know you've seen it, Owen. I think we've all talked about it. two interceptions in the first two open practices to the media, uh, including a, a pick six, uh, you know, uh, against Mertz going in. Uh, uh, on Saturday uh, during the scrimmage portion, but he is built apart. Six two two thirty nine listed. He, we all know he's strong. Chris Orr was effusive in that uh, when first asked about Leo, saying that you know he's strong, uh, but 
Garrett Groshek also had a great call out saying he was barking out calls in in that you know uh, early on in that first practice too. So he's as a Mike linebacker in that three four defense as an inside linebacker with that Mike designation. It still a long way. You could hit a freshman wall still. It's his first semester as a college student, but you got to be yeah, you got to be impressed in my opinion, right? Absolutely, and in Wisconsin's defense uh, is not a uh, a simple defense. Um, you know, the three four scheme, the odd front, it's a little different. Uh, the different schemes and stuff, it's not as as straight one gap as a lot of the forefront stuff is, and different blitz packages and personnel groupings and and all that good stuff. So, I mean, as far as if if Chanel's able to pick that up immediately, um, that's nothing but good for the Badgers. Uh, we've seen the Badgers rotate inside linebackers in the past. Uh, maybe Chanel puts himself in position to to do that. Um, you know, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the names for sure. And then the other one, and I don't know if this is a, a, a stood or a standout performance from a guy that we probably didn't expect, but um, AJ Taylor, I think, has probably played pretty well and probably been that top receiver that he's going to need to be um, with now with the certainty that that Quintez Cephas is no longer listed on the roster. Um, you know, A.J. Taylor is going to be the only senior on the team at the position. And, uh, you know, he's – you mentioned earlier, had a, a caught a long ball from uh, from Chase Wolf the other day. Uh, and that's something that for people that were underwhelmed or uh, unimpressed with the Badgers receiving core a year ago, I think A.J. Taylor is probably putting himself in a position to uh, to perhaps kind of break through that perception or, or maybe live up to the – the expectations of the fan base uh, thus far, obviously um, spring is, is what it is, but um, you know, notice AJ Taylor's name pop up quite a bit as well. Yeah. And that's going to be, um, he'll be one of the leaders of that group, obviously again, uh, if not one of the leader of that wide receiver group. And I think he has a chance to really grow in his final year. And, and, and I can't believe it by the way, because I remember even just, following his recruiting process and when he initially picked Wisconsin feels like so well this feels not that long ago but he's entering his final year as a senior and and him and it was, it was during some seven months or some one-on-one drills between the wide receivers and defensive backs on Tuesday with the quarterbacks throwing I know Taylor beat his guy once and Kendrick Pryor blew past I think it was Alexander Smith for like a deep touchdown pass too and um, even Adam, I'd say even uh, a guy that stood out to me is walk on Adam Krumholtz. I thought he had a really good scrimmage session with guys like AJ Taylor and Kendrick Pryor not practicing. He got a lot of, a lot of reps and I thought he made the most of them with some nice receptions. And even in those one-on-one drills, he beat Caesar Williams at least a couple of times based off of my notes. I think it was either two or three times. Uh, and one was this deep route that Mertz hit him in stride, uh, hurt, hurt Mertz hit him, uh, but he came down with a kind of, kind of, I think it was a contested catch. And then, um, it, it, I would, I would say he's had a good, good start based off of the three practices that have been open to the media. So, uh, and real quick too, before we get to our mailbag, uh, we'll take a quick break before that, but I like to kind of like the, pen, the potential of Brady Shipper and Isaac Garendo at running back. Uh, I asked Garrett Groshek about that and you guys saw that in the Bucky's fifth quarter column we had, uh, earlier this week talking about who stood out or no, it was about, uh, the Tyler Biotis was on Sunday. Uh, and we talked to Groshek about his role, but also talking about the running backs and the new faces. And he he, he thought Brady's smart. He's picking it up. 
but you know, he he likes the potential of Garendo, saying, but he needs to stop thinking about it. Um, I am really interested in seeing how both of those guys grow. I feel like Shipper, uh, you know, a former walk-on from Stoughton area here, just like Crumholtz, both former uh, both walk-ons. Uh, Groshek's a former walk-on now, but I like uh, I've seen him kind of stand out, especially as a sort of a third down back from what it looks like in those down and distance situations. Garendo, you see a speed and he would have had a touchdown in the scrimmage. If not, it was called back for a penalty, but you see that speed and, and Groshek said, once he gets, you know, once he just learns to start running, he's going to be fun to watch. So I think those are two positions that, you know, with Jonathan Taylor potentially leaving after next year, uh, Broderick shot too. they there. These guys could step up, you know, and help complement down the road. Uh, and, and this spring is really good for their reps. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Brady's the kid who started at running back and at Stoughton. Um, so I was a bit surprised when he played receiver last year. I thought he was coming in to be a running back. Um, so I, I think that move back was probably a bit uh, more natural than than we may have thought. Uh, and Garendo is absolutely right. When when you have a speed back like that, uh, the worst thing you want to do is kind of paralysis by analysis overthinking everything when you've got that game-breaking speed. Uh, I believe Garendo was a 100-meter champion in the state of Indiana, correct? Oh, yep, yep, um, yep, um, yep. Uh, Mr. So Mr. Mr. Like, best wide receiver, the Mr. Football for the position in Indiana for out of Avon, yep. So, I mean, he was a, he's a, a big-time speed guy, um, and just go. I mean, that's the best thing you can do is when you're fast, just go. Don't think, don't, don't try too hard, just go because – when you're fast, the the more simple you keep it, the better. Because when you're fast, the defense has to react quicker, so you don't have as much time to 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 think or to to react. You just got to go. Um, so I mean, as as far as as he goes, he's got something that other than Jonathan Taylor, no one else at the position really has, uh, which is that extra gear speed wise. So um, whether he ends up back at receiver or, or staying at running back or being a return guy or whatever. Um, it's an exciting concept uh, to get that speed on the field uh, for UW, and, and I'm sure they want to do it uh, in multiple different different ways. So, uh, Grendo, another guy, another full of potential, um, you know, a lot of speed on the team, uh, probably much more than we've seen in years past. With that, let's take a quick break, come back, we'll talk some mailbag. we got four questions we'll answer, and we'll get people on their way. On that note, so uh, stay tuned. Give it us about a minute. We'll return here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Welcome back to Bucky's fifth podcast. Owen Reese. I'm Jake Kokorowski. We are here. It is mailbag time. Thank you guys for all your Twitter questions. Make sure you guys keep sending them in to us. We have some fun. Uh, and first off, Owen, there's that one uh, the first question that we received was from Corey. He's a Nebraska fan talking about, and he was asking us about our thoughts on the article that I had not seen previously from the Omaha world Herald, uh, Sam McKeon. He won um, asking about uh, thoughts on Wisconsin and your thoughts on that. If you had a chance to read it and, and what it means. Um, I, I kind of just glanced over it when I was at work. Um, but yeah, it was the, the topic of the article is really about, um, you know, why, why Jonathan Taylor could potentially have a down year in 2019 and, and why that's not necessarily his fault. Um, more so, uh, kind of 
hinting at the uh, the Badgers roster kind of being in a state of flux or a state of turnover, um, and and having a, a quite a bit of that turnover happen on offense, you know, with a quarterback change and losing four starting offensive linemen, uh, and I guess from the outside, it, it doesn't seem too far fetched, really. Um, you know, it's also just from a strict standpoint. Jonathan Taylor could have a quote unquote down year and rush for like 1600 yards. So I think that's like, that's something to keep in mind, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I think that's probably what most schools or most uh, of the competitive uh, schools in the conference would, would say with Wisconsin is that they're probably a bit of a wild card because they do have Jonathan Taylor, uh, but they do, they do lose quite a bit from last year and there's going to be a lot of new faces. So, the one the one constant the one thing they know that's coming Jonathan Taylor uh so I think obviously he has been anyways uh will continue to be the focal point of of opposing game plans and uh yeah I don't know that's kind of what I got out of it It was just it makes sense uh without reading the article uh thoroughly um you know thank you for bringing that article to our attention Corey but uh yeah, it's it, it makes sense, um, and and it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, either if that were the case. Because, like I said, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, to really have a truly disappointing season for Jonathan Taylor, what does that look like? Like under thirteen hundred yards, under twelve hundred yards. So it's, I don't know. Like I said, he could rush for sixteen hundred, and people are like, "Wow, not as good as he's been the last two years," which is kind of astonishing, really. But but really, uh from an outsider perspective, probably something that, that could be pretty conceivable. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Dan asks the question, Dan, Dan Singer, uh, who's done some photography for us at Bucky's fifth quarter, also for badgerblitz.com, part of the rivals network is snow, the perfect spring football weather. Uh, sure. Uh, if we're inside, unless, you know, Paul, Chris wants to make us go outside to cover the practice, which it was cold yesterday. And I couldn't get a lot of great shots on the photography wise because the shadows at Camp Randall Stadium eight eight o'clock in the morning were only allowed to really take pictures and video the first half hour before they lock it down for us. And by the time that the shadows ended, it was time for us to turn it off. So, uh, but all around for snow? No, yeah, I know that's a joke, but no. Um, going to Zach. Was that? No, it's trash as hell. Yep, it is. Zach uh, asks the question, and maybe we should answer this while we were talking about the quarterbacks, but what is the perfect quarterback situation for 2019? Cone starts because he has made a leap and clearly the better quarterback in 2019, or Mertz because he is just that damn good? Thank you for that question, Zach. That's a really good question. I like that. Oh, it's still early to, early to say, but I'll let you start first, Owen. What is the perfect situation to yeah. you? next season next season to me well i guess for for me my ideal situation i think is probably that mertz steps in and he's just better uh he's a freshman quarterback and, and while you might think well and and to be fair in the past i've been uh, kind of on the well just let him redshirt and you know he'll be he'll, he'll start as a redshirt freshman and um you know but with with hornerbrook leaving the program and if the quarterback position is not going to be as stable as in the past you know why not uh, you know, he'll have Jonathan Taylor. He'll have that benefit. He has every single wide receiver from the roster last year um, coming back. He's got Jake Ferguson coming back. Despite having new faces along the offensive line, he'll have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And if, 
I've kind of I've, I've made this analogy before. I think uh, Mertz can can drive the Corvette. I don't know if he can drive stick yet. And I think that um, you know he can go fast. I, we've seen that he's he's put up crazy numbers in high school and and uh, has certainly looked the part at times during spring ball uh, for what that's worth. But I think this is the perfect scenario for him to um, you know if, when you're the dad and says here you go kid and hand him the keys and hope he doesn't total the car because like I said, if you, if you would wait uh, and redshirt him, if he or wasn't to play, it wasn't to start this year, uh, you're likely not having uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you're not having AJ Taylor. Uh, you're losing likely Tyler Biotish and Colvin Lannon, uh, probably your two best offensive linemen. And so, I mean, I guess to me, that's my, per- my perfect scenario is that if Grand Mertz can come in and, and kind of command the room and, and be the quarterback he's been hyped to be and be that top recruit and really be this transcendent, potentially transcendent quarterback uh, to take this offense to, to new levels. I mean, why not get it started, right? I mean, that's, that's the, I think, probably the ideal situation because then, and we've kind of discussed this before, there's this, this uh, narrative or this idea that the Wisconsin offense is easy for a quarterback to play in. Um, because you can just hand it to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and while obviously we've seen that isn't necessarily the case, I think it probably makes it easier for Mertz, right? I mean, as far as like, hey, kid, we're going to help you as much as we can, but if you're having a rough day, just give it to 23. You'll probably be all right. So, I mean, that's to me, I guess that's I, – I, I'll let you answer this in a second here, but I guess to me that's that's the ideal, ideal situation. Then you've still got Cone with starting experience to kind of help Mertz along, um, you know, and, and in the case that Mertz were to struggle or to get dinged up, you've got Jack Cohn with starting experience in behind him. And uh, but I mean, to me, if if Mertz is the Ferrari that you want him to be, let him drive fast, let him go fast. Yeah, I think it's a. This may seem like a cop out answer, but I think it's a whoever leads that offense, the points and provides a little bit of that balanced offense. Wisconsin's always going to lean on that power running game. It's a staple. It's been that way since Barry Alvarez took over as head coach in 1990. However, I am in that boat right now is the perfect situation is whoever is the quarterback that can lead them to points. And if that is Jack Cohn, who I think has looked good during the spring uh, with the first team reps, uh, I remember in I also feel like you said, if Mertz gets that playbook down and in this fall, in the fall camp, he's competing for first team reps with cone or Vandenboom or Wolf or whatever, whoever steps up in that sense. Really? I feel it's just whoever is going to give them the best position to win. That is the, that in, you know, to win and to put a point and be successful on offense that that's my perfect situation for quarterback. And, I you know if it's Cone it's Cone if it's it's Mertz it's Mertz if it's if Vandenboom and Wolf put up amazing fall camp uh you know campaigns so be it but I don't know if there's necessarily one with, attached to one player but you know if Mertz you know has all the physical tools and he takes it over then so be it and just one one thing let me I, I'd like to add in here quick uh and and I didn't mention this earlier but I think. Uh, probably, and it's probably because we haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I think another important 
part of, of who you want the quarterback to be or what the ideal quote unquote situation would be, uh, is that like how much can they threaten the defense? Um, because even with Alex Hornerbrook the past couple of years, or um, you know, I, 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 prob- I guess probably honestly going back to to Russell Wilson, I mean, what what quarterback uh, in the past eight years have the Badgers had? Excuse me, that scares the defense. You've got quarterbacks that have executed the offense, and I think that there's certainly quite a bit of value to that. Uh, but I, 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 what? What quarterback can you play, or if if there is one on the roster, that the defense says we can't make a mistake against this kid? And ninety nine percent of the time, that's Jonathan Taylor is who they're talking about. But if you can get a quarterback, um, if there's a quarterback on the roster that can make plays or force defenses to say, "Look, we got to be perfect because otherwise this kid will dice us," and it might only be for seventeen attempts a game. It might only be one deep shot, but that that threat of, and we haven't seen it yet from Jack Cohn. That doesn't mean he's not capable of doing it. Uh, but but really, just to to for a quarterback to put fear in the the defense, I don't think the Badgers have probably had since uh, since Russell Wilson, and that's obviously Russell Wilson's very very good. Um, but to that that point, the court, the Badgers have had multiple quarterbacks since then that have executed the offense. And that's good. Um, but I guess at a certain point, I'm curious to see if Paul Chris is looking for a quarterback to execute the offense or to elevate the offense, if that makes sense. And I'm curious if if that's if there's one on the roster, if it's Graham Mertz or, or if that's someone that they need to, to recruit. But I think probably your ideal quarterback situation for Wisconsin is a quarterback that can take just enough attention off of Jonathan Taylor with that um, – and in turn, Jonathan Taylor will help the quarterback. But if if there's that quarterback that's capable enough or threatening enough to a defense that they can say we can't make a mistake against this kid, I think that's got to be the best, the, the ideal situation, regardless of who it is. Yeah, no, I that, I like your thinking on that end. Uh, Zach gives us one more question, by the way. Our uh, Wisconsin special teams has been mediocre for a while. Who do you see returning punts now? My first thought was Jack Dunn, uh, just because of him being the incumbent. He didn't wasn't flashy. He averaged only five and a half yards per return. You saw Danny Davis listed as a number two per punt returner last season. He has you know been out for the practice. Sounds like he practiced early on, but then he was injured the, the first week, and he has not practiced. Uh, and sessions open to the media in the three that we've seen, but. You know, according to Galloway, and I did not see this on Saturday, probably because I was too busy taking pictures and trying to get some uh, multimedia content for Bucky's fifth quarter that way. But according to Jason Galloway, he saw Dunn, he saw senior AJ Taylor, he saw Aaron Crookshank, the second year player, uh, taking back punts uh, that day on Saturday. Now, you know, so right now, I still think Dunn or Davis. In my opinion, though it's in my opinion, it's promising to see Taylor or Crookshank for that matter, uh, dipping their toes in the water in this. Um, and we'll see. Uh, I'm not sold on anyone yet necessarily. Uh, for even though this isn't part of your question, Zach, for kickoff returns, I've seen 
Fayon Hicks, Aaron Crookshank. I've seen Isaac Arendo and then also AJ Abbott return kickoffs during the spring. So they're getting some practice back there. AJ Abbott, obviously the, the rising redshirt freshman out of West Bloomfield, Michigan. So really it is, it'll be interesting um, to see who feels the punts. But right now I'll say, I think it's between Dunn and Davis. But I don't know if there's anyone else, does any other players stand out to you based on what you saw last year? The only other, yeah, the only other person that I really kind of, and it's, I guess, worth mentioning, I don't know um, if I have a strong opinion either way on, on whether or not he should do it, uh, but Kendrick Pryor has returned kicks before, and that's another guy that um, one of the more prominent playmakers on your offense. I think more anytime you can get him the ball is good. Uh, and and uh, something to keep in mind, too, I know – Tip, like for kick returners, like speed is much more important, right? Because you're going to like, and a lot of this, and maybe Garendo playing running back a bit here could be a, a coup for him because kick returning is all about like seeing the lane and hitting it and being able to hit it. Punt returning to me is more like making the first dude yep. miss. Like you've got to be much quicker than fast as a punt returner. So um, whoever they feel, whether it's Jack Dunn or – or AJ Taylor has been a was a high school running back. Um, obviously, Crookshank is both very quick and fast. Uh, but I guess whoever um, whoever they feel comfortable with punt returning, uh, being a punt returner is much more about uh, saving yards to me than it is being a threat. Who like don't let the ball bounce. Uh, don't let you know fair catch everything you can. Um, if there's an opportunity for a return, go do that. But just don't lose your lose your offense yards. Um, whereas kick return to me is much more of a uh, playmaker, go make stuff happen. So uh, I guess to me, probably Jack Dunn would be my favorite, um, just, just kind of based on what we've seen um, as a as a punt returner. But uh, kick returner, honestly, like they, whoever they feel most confident can make a play. Really, um, like I said, to me, it's more uh, more opportunity to make a play as a kick returner rather than just saving or being damage control as a punt returner. Yeah. So no, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll keep an eye out on that as well. Um, before we wrap up, just letting you guys know too, Saturday, which is April 13th, they will have, uh, there's the annual Badger Sports Kids Fair uh, presented by BMO Harris in the McLean Center starting around 9 a.m. So there will be, you know, interactive games, activities, chances to meet Badger student athletes. This is, this is according to press release. I'm basically right reading this verbatim. So this is what we got. Uh, from UW a 13 days ago. So this is not a spring game. It's what basically they're calling out what it is right on. It's it's like, it's always been, or like it feels like it's always been, but really what it's been recently Uh, glorified practice that starts at about 1130. But even before that, Barry Alvarez and we'll be down at buck. I'll be down at Bucky's fifth quarter, basically talking about, um, you know, at the UW field house beginning at 1030 AM, uh, that's going to be like a town according to UW is going to be a town hall style event, moderate Q and a with, uh, with Alvarez. And then it's a lot less about an hour. And then the open practice will be started about one or 1130 run to about one fifteen, And then Paul, Chris, Chris, or Jonathan Taylor will have a, a brief Q and a too, apparently. So, and everything's free, obviously make sure you guys get there early to get some parking, but you know, B5Q will be down there. Uh, we don't, uh, let me just clarify too. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of the open practice, but uh, you know, how the style is, if there's going to be a scrimmage or not. So we'll see how, what, what, how they 
mix and match and what they actually do during this hour and 45 minute event uh, on the field, but we will be down there. Uh, so anyways, uh, anything else uh, for us before we head out, my good man? No, man. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, anywhere else you can find podcasts. Uh, five-star reviews only. Those are the rules. Um, like I said, they don't let you give uh, less star reviews than that. Uh, so, yeah, man, just just uh, let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And uh, on Wisconsin, man. On that. Just waiting for uh, waiting for the spring to come because we had it for two days, and now it's snowing, and I want to die. So... It is, yeah, it is. Uh, I was not happy seeing those large snowflakes falling earlier this afternoon, uh, and into most of the most of the day for that matter. But again, uh, should be hopefully right around 50 for the open practice. We'll be down there, uh, and we'll see who else we can talk to. Next week, we got we're lining up at least one former Badger talking about his journey to the NFL draft. Well, we're going to tease that out. Hopefully have another one or two uh, come up in the next couple of weeks leading up to the NFL draft. We'll have more draft talk uh, during draft week. We'll have more spring football talk and and more for Owen Reese's Jake Okorowski guys. We'll be busy again for this month of April. We'll catch you guys coming up next week here on Bucky's fifth podcast. (laughs) 